Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're coming at you with another C-Suite Mastermind Mentor Preview, interviewing Ronak Shah, CEO and co-founder of Obvi Collagen. I interviewed Ashvin last year about their absolutely meteoric growth and had a wide-ranging discussion, so I knew both Ronak and Ash were going to be an obvi choice for mentors in Las Vegas. You can go to directtoconsumer.co slash events and grab one of the few remaining tickets right now while supplies last, while our prices are still low. If you have to travel, you can even use the promo code TRAVEL for $1,000 off your ticket. Cannot wait to see you there. This talk was a quick preview of the fireside chat that we're going to be doing in Las Vegas, where we highlight some of the key mistakes not to make when it comes to building your D2C brand. And because this is a C-suite mentor preview, you can email me, eric at directtoconsumer.co if you're thinking about coming to the event, but you just can't make the ticket price work. We're giving away one ticket every other week to listeners in the audience. You can just send me an email at eric at directtoconsumer.co. Make your case as to why you think your brand needs to be featured among the all-star attendees and mentors in Las Vegas, March 23rd, 24th. We're top golfing got hot LA comedian Ian Bag coming in. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to see you there. So on with the show. There's tons of things that we shouldn't have done. All of us do this. We focus so much of our time to make Facebook and Google and all these platforms work better. And yet we will never get a hold of Mark Zuckerberg or Tim Cook or any of them. Okay. So instead, focus your time on what you can control. You can control how your landing page looks. You can control how well your cart converts. You can find out where intrafunnel, where someone's dropping off. Spend time on what you can control. Because if you can go from 3% to 4% on your conversion rate, that's increasing your business by 25%. You're never going to bring CAC down by 25%, no matter how much time you put into it. Is 2023 the year you launch the merch store for your brand? If you're looking for a new revenue line and a way to increase brand loyalty and LTV, you might want to consider it, especially when there's players out there like Printful that make it easy to build your brand's line of merch without any of the operational headaches of inventory management or stock forecasting. Printful's product options run the gamut from socks to hoodies to home decor and everything super high quality with printing options that will look amazing with your brand's design on it. If you've got merch on the mind in 2023, think Printful and go to printful.com slash enterprise to start creating today. Ronak, welcome to the D2C podcast. This is a long time coming. How you doing? I'm doing well, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of all the material you put out, so it's an honor to make this the year of us being able to collaborate on multiple fronts. It's exciting. We got you coming down to Las Vegas C-Suite Mastermind you and Ashvin, which is really exciting. We're going to do a couple separate podcasts here. I've caught up with Ashvin, I guess, over a year ago, probably, um, on some of the incredible growth that you guys have had at Obvi. But with you, I just wanted to go back a little bit deeper, hear a little bit more about your background, hear a little bit more about your hero's journey that brought you to this Obvi success. Can you tell us that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was interesting. Um, my past, like when I, up until literally after college, I was supposed to be, and I was bred an accountant. Um, my dad's been an accountant. He's been at EY for 30 years. And I loved 
the structure and balance he had in his life and what he did for us as an immigrant parent. Um, and so I was supposed to follow that path. I went on to be an accounting major at Pace University in New York. I worked at Deloitte right outside of getting college. So I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. And then I got into the elevator of one of my, of a new building that I moved into in New Jersey called in Jersey city. And, um, in the elevator was a, a, a guy named Encore Garg and he was running a, a supplement company called shreds. And we were just started talking, you know, networking, whatever. And he's like, Hey, you know what? I'm looking for a controller, um, for my company. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 21. Uh, I'm not a controller, you know? Um, and he was like, well, think about it. So a few days to end by. And, you know, when, you, when you're young and you have an opportunity, if, you're, if you have a little bit of hunger in you, you're going to probably explore it. Um, so next thing I did, I told my dad, I run everything to him. He's like, I need to meet the founders. So he came and met the founders of the startup supplement company being ran out of an apartment. And uh, he said, if you want to take this risk, you can always be an accountant, but go do it. So I did it, uh, became a controller at one of the fastest growing supplement brands. I didn't know it at this time, but it turned into um, a brand that we scaled up to almost a hundred million um, back in 2015, 2016. So um, got my real footsteps into like what it takes to build a brand. Uh, we incubated two other brands there called skinny.com, which is a weight loss tea company and then flavor got seasoning. So for me, we're able to see three brands being built you know, in an ecosystem of uh, less than 30 people, it was incredible. Um, and back then, there was no advertising. And this is from the controller standpoint, or were you, because it was a startup, were you kind of sleeves rolled up in all aspects of the business? Yeah. What was really cool is um, you had to live in the building that the offices were in. That was like one of the things they moved you there if you didn't live there already, because you had to work two shifts. So everyone was working from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. You go home, shower, and eat all in the same building. You come back up around 9 p.m. and you work till 2 a.m. Six days a week, your only day off was Saturday. And everyone did it because the growth every day was so insane. And you're like building the next Nike in your mind, right? So like, and everyone's young. So everyone's like, I don't have any life to, I don't have anything going on in my life. Like, I'll just do this. So we all did it. And so as a controller, I have nothing to do in the night shift, right? I finished all my work. Um, so I started like really poking interest into marketing and like actually just started talking to the CEO every night. I'm like, I would just ask a lot of questions because I'm like, hey, I'm helping pay the bills. Why are you spending this, right? So give me the real reason. And I think when I started poking questions, they realized there's a lot more analysis that can go into these things. And that's when I just explored deeper into uh, another role. Super cool. And even just your father being an accountant at EY, like of all the accounting jobs there are out there, there's none that would be a better fit for setting you up for what you wanted to do, right? That's right. Yeah, there, there was, um, I think the best transition for someone who is supposed to be an extremely structured lifestyle, the best transition into startup world was probably this role. So had I not got into an elevator that day, um, and had my roommate also not started working there, I don't think I would be here talking to you for sure. And it's come full circle. We were just talking in the pre-interview. You got named EY's 2022 Entrepreneur of the Year. So first of all, congratulations on that honor. That's huge. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, that was, it was, I think it was awesome moment even for my dad, you know, who's, who's um, he came here with nothing and, and, and did it all for us, um, us kids. And so um, for it to come full circle was, was very meaningful. 
When I talked with Ashvin a lot, we talked a lot about the app being such a critical part of, of how you guys are growing. And also we talked a lot about your community, your Facebook community, just being an absolute source of fuel for the fire. I'd be curious from your perspective, since then, has it been more of the same that, that has taken you further? Or what's really been in the last year, would you say, the difference maker for growth at Obvi? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think the biggest piece has been the fact that when we when we needed retention to be there, we were able to tap into it. A lot of people, when they saw, when you see rising acquisition costs, okay, there's only two ways to combat it, okay? One is you stick to your guns and you weather the storm, okay? Or the second thing is you say, all right, I'm going to bring spend down and I'm going to make up that revenue by all the legacy I've built up in my brand, which is your customer base. For us, because we had our customer base, which obviously is, you know, falls under the email SMS bandwidth. And then you had this community, right? Which is like deeper than what an email or an SMS can do, right? Because you have a personal relationship with these people. So we were able to go and say, hey guys, we're going to come out and launch new things. We're going to keep, keep the engine rolling. And I think they just were there to like eat it all up. And when you need them the most, you know, you have them, which is I think one of the most powerful things in a community. And you hadn't tapped into them, or I think one of the things we ta- we had um, what the head of uh, Pilot House's email team come in, and he's there's so many brands out there that have hammered their list so hard for so long, and they haven't they're not even deliverable in some cases. A lot of lists are sort of dead. But it sounds like you guys obviously always had a community, always had an email SMS game going, but you're able to shift more focus to it and get it to pay dividends. I, I think, uh, and it's a great question. I mean, great great point too. But it's like. There is something that's always been brewing, which is this community. And I don't think we knew how to take advantage of it because it was never built to take advantage. It was built with the ideals of, you know what, we're going to have this place where we can go and get real-time feedback so that we don't mess up our next step. Let's just like look at the feedback, adjust, and then make sure that we keep coming out with what they want. That turned into like, okay, cool, it's brewing, it's brewing, it's now 60,000 members deep. And it turned into like, okay, wait, what if we start doing things that are just exclusive to them? And when we saw that the exclusivity kind of took this community up another notch, which was like, these people were craving this. And so I actually think we probably waited too long to tap into it. But if anything, it probably nurtured the authenticity of it for even longer. So there's like pros and cons to it, you know, it's like if you didn't touch it for too long, probably better because it's like you, you, you almost like get the most out of it when you need it. So I think we I think we found a good balance. Now, give me an example of how you tap into your group here. Is it a matter of making a, a are you doing a live shopping thing? Or are you just making a great offer to them? How do you tap into that audience in a really authentic way still? Yeah, um, there is so many ways. I'll, I'll try to name our top ways. Okay. Um, so one is we go to them and ask them for their feedback on what to launch next. This is one of the most powerful tactics to take out the guessing game of knowing if your next launch is going to flop or do well. So we do a survey, whatever wins in the top of the survey, that's what we launch. That's one piece. Another thing we do is we give them exclusive rights to when we launch something new, we let them get exclusive rights and access if they have the app. So now we're getting them to download our TapCart app, which is powerful because now we have another place to contact them through push notifications. Secondly, they feel like they're getting first right to everything Obvi. Okay. So what we do sometimes too is we actually will post, we'll actually sell something out 
and it wouldn't have even opened up to the rest of the public yet. So now people have access and products that nobody else has. They'll go and post and show it off in the community be like, I actually got it. I got the peppermint mocha. So that's number two is exclusivity. And then last thing I'll say that I think we tap into that is, I think, extremely helpful is customer testimonials. A lot of people just bucket everything under UGC now. But I think what what we forget about is the true life-changing stories of what we're doing. Right? I don't care what you're selling. You're changing a life. Even if you're, cha- you're selling a fidget spinner, right? You're helping someone focus. I don't care what it is. So for us to be able to go and actually extract the story of how we've changed lives, we're able to tap into and use that asset in so many places from top of funnel ads to landing pages to video wise um, uh, locations on our website. There's so much assets, so many assets now. I think just that idea of transformation is the, it's the, it's what underlies everyone's product and that no, that people don't focus on enough. And it's, it's wise to even think about it for any, literally any product that you're buying. There's some degree of transformation that you're looking for from it. Otherwise you probably wouldn't have bought it. Right. That's right. That's right. I wanted to ask you guys, you guys have so many amazing sounding flavors with your college. And I feel like the, your, the personality of your product is you guys have used it to really separate yourselves from a, what's potentially a pretty commoditized market or product. What's been your most successful launch this year? Which, which of your, which product lines have been your most successful this year? Yeah. Um, so I think our, our naturally our most successful continues to be, um, new launches of our collagen flavors. Um, and it's mainly because we've created a little bit of a collector's mindset. So um, it's kind of like a weird comparison, but it's like Pokemon. Okay. So what we've done here is um, we literally limited to like a thousand or 2000 units. And we say, we're never going to launch this flavor again. Right. So mint chocolate chip was our most successful this year. We literally said, Hey, 1500 units, never launching this again, probably going to be gone in two to three hours. If you get a hold of this exclusive flavor, we don't even want you to finish it right away. Just, you know, protect it, right? Collectors. And like collectors. Um, and so now what people are doing in our community is they're showing off their stash. So there are people who have built custom walls in their kitchen to show every flavor collected, right? Um, and what we realize is, is if we keep that going, we're at, we're not, we're on flavor number 23 now in three and a half years, you know, Baskin um, Robbins, <clears throat> Baskin <laughs> Robbins, uh, in the, in the supplement world, there's this company called G fuel, which is uh, for gamers, right? They're on flavor number 70 or 80 or something like that. And people are collecting every single one and making backdrops out of it. So we feel if we can tap into that LTV, is the definition of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And it's, it's funny and it's not like it's, it's all, it's a piece in the puzzle. Like I, I don't know that you would have this fervent fan base. Like your, your flavors are clever and they I bet they taste great, but you've got this community aspect. You've got this app aspect. You've got all these touch points that probably just creates the fervor or it creates, creates, you know, this sort of, um, you know, echo chamber a little bit where people get more and more hyped up about your products. That's right. Um, <clears throat> And, and what you said there is, is spot on. I think that the, the biggest piece to that um, is the fact that when you see others doing it and there's this element that the overarching element that's driving this is FOMO, believe it or not, right? It's I cannot miss out. And if you miss out once, you're definitely not missing out twice. So when you have a cadence of launches 
and then FOMO is the moving target, um, it's starting to feel a little formulaic for us. How do you, and I'm going to chat with Ashvin, I think next week, how do you guys break down your roles in the company? I know you're CEO and you've got that financial background, which is huge. My co-founder also has a financial background, which has been massively helpful for us. Just curious how you guys break down your roles internally. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good question. So even when we like hire people and, and stuff like that, we, we, we kind of like hate titles. Like even when we have to go and hire, it's like, we just want the next great person to help fill in a hole we're not doing. But the way we break down roles is like, I think each person, we have eight people in the company. Each person is like the head of what they do, right? We don't have a super boiled down team. So for us, like I'm handling inventory finance, and then I'm making sure I'm so well connected to Ash that my decisions are driven through his demand planning on the ad side. So I'm, we're, we're, he, and he's super deep into acquisition. And then we both come together to work on retention. Then you have my third partner, who's the chief brand officer, right? And what he's doing is he's constantly funneling us new ways to, to present the product, new graphics, new video assets, this and that, so that the brand can c- keep carrying itself. But we're also making sure that we're testing new acquisition formats. So it's like the three of us, we sit in like our own little pod and um, we're just like this engine that's like, all right, hey, I'm, I'm about to hop into Clavio. Do you want to hop in and you, be, you build the segments? I'll, I'll, I'll upload the email. Like we're literally still doing all those pieces, even SMS. Like, hey, I just, I just set up an SMS. I'm going to send you a test. Let me know if you think any of the copy needs to change. Cool. Let's deploy it at 6 p.m. You know, so like it's like what we did in 2019 when we launched the brand first day is what we did two hours ago today. Yep. So monster. Yeah. Yeah. 300 monster. I think that's the best way to put it. Right now you're probably looking at conversions in Facebook or Google ads thinking, why doesn't the data line up with my actual sales? Why doesn't more spending bring more customers? What ads are even working? With Northbeam's first-party data and cutting-edge AI, you'll know what ads generated every dollar of revenue across all your channels, all in one platform. Frankly, the best marketers on earth use Northbeam. It's one of our favorite tools and the industry leader in marketing attribution. Visit northbeam.io to see why and mention this podcast for a special deal only for D2C listeners. I'll talk with Ash about this as well, but I'm curious, the sense that I have with meta ads is that they're on the comeback trail and not, they never went away, but what in terms of their on-platform attribution, in terms of their targeting, in terms of their modeling, their AI, it all seems to be like getting more on track. And from a, from our perspective, from our growth, we're seeing amazing results. I know pilot house is doing well. I'm curious what's been Obvi's journey over the last like couple years with meta ads specifically. And is it coming back for us? The way we look at it is, is it didn't really dwindle too far away. Okay. Um, and so for us coming back yet, yeah, like it's, it's pretty much getting back to where we find everything to be very digestible. The part that is tricky though, is with kind of like how remarketing has gone away. We feel that the, the low hanging fruit that we used to have is what is very hard to get again. So what I mean by this is if we had used to have five good days and two bad days, okay? The two bad days, we were able to tap into high-frequency remarketing and grab some low-hanging fruit and make them okay days. Now, the two bad days that we have, they are bloodbath days, right? 
And I, and I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's really where we are right now is back to where we want to be. But the times where it's tough, it's really bad. And there's nothing and there aren't those to gimmies. Yes. yes. Those gimmies the that gimmies. you have when you know someone's right at the end of the funnel, you've, you've lost that data because you're you, modeling instead of cookieing. Nailed it. I guess that's just more attention on retention as well, too. Right. Just more attention on keeping those the relationship on your side open because so, right. you know when they bought. Exactly. Facebook doesn't. And I think uh, the, the last piece I'll say to that is like you, you realize like in the world of like acquisition and, 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 and all of this, you realize like we should have always been diversifying. Now it's like we need to diversify and it's like, fuck, how do we stop doing what we know best? You know, like that is really hard to do. So that I think is the other challenge in this whole switcheroo that's been happening. The other thing that I'm really impressed with about you guys over at Obvi is you're just, you're everywhere. You're doing the content thing like D2C with your own podcast, with your own newsletter, which is fantastic. And then you're also serving as an advisor for other businesses in the space. Can you talk a little bit about A, how you see this whole space and, and what the role that you kind of want to have in it? Yeah, great question. No one's, uh, no one's ever asked that. Um, it's so interesting because like for us, serving as advisors or like putting out content was initially started off with just filling where we wish there was more resources when we started. So when we started, everything was secrecy. It was like, if you figured out how to get a $20 CAC, you cannot, you have to take that to your grave. Okay. Yeah. The supplement game is extra ruthless. Too, extra right? ruthless. Extra ruthless. Yeah. Like affiliates and, and exactly. all that. Exactly. Yeah. It is, it is, it was ruthless. So then, and then like as pandemic came about, and as things started to change and we're like, wait, everyone wants to work together. Like we're sharing things. So then we're like, wait, this is awesome because we, from day one, we're like, you know what, whatever we do with Obvi, it is just going to be a test case. It can burn to the ground in six months and whatever happens, we learned like it doesn't matter, but whatever we do, whether it's even good or bad, we're going to share it. And so because we followed that model and we started seeing like, and it's not like we started it. There's no way we started anything like it. But I think we kept fueling the build in public motto. And so that turned into like, okay, at least you guys are authentic about it from day one. We want to work with you guys because a lot of what you say sounds authentic and you're not just shilling, right? So believe it or not, like a lot of who we work with, I wouldn't say a lot. I would say some of what we work with as advisors, um, we don't even, we're not even getting anything out of it. It's more of like, hey, we're going to mention you anyway. If anything, give us a couple months free on the program, right? Or make sure you use a case study out of us instead of anyone else so we get exposure too, right? Because it's like, we're only talking about stuff we use, right? So like, even when I sometimes go and like speak or present something and it's like a bunch of tools or services, I'm like, I'm not here to just promote random stuff. It's like, this is what we're using. Like there's no hiding or like, there's no, like someone paid me to say this. It's so I think that turned into just people turning us into a little bit of advisors. Cause we're also super active in trying to say, Hey, you great tool, but it could use this. 
I got to get into this advisor game. So if you're out there listening, you want Eric as an advisor, hit me up. And I, and I love what you're saying too. And I love, that's why I love actually doing sponsored podcasts in on this podcast, because it doesn't feel like it. Like, because when you get a tool that's changing your business or adding incrementally another 10 or 15% revenue or whatever, it's like, it can be a game changer for you. And it's not like, it doesn't feel like you're selling, right? You're just, you, here's the tool that works for this. You might have the same problem. Check it out. Right. That's right. That's so right. And, and, um, First of all, if you get an opportunity to get Eric on your team, um, it's it's that's huge. It's, secondly, it's I think it's so important for the people who are on the other side, which is like call it like connected to brands or connected to um, people who have audiences. It's it's so valuable to the other side, which is SaaS companies, right? Um, where they're spending thousands of dollars to acquire one lead or one conversion, and really, what they need to do is talk to the people who are closest to the users, right? And, and I think that gap is slowly closing in. I see more and more of it and more of that collaboration. What I also, w- w- with that, the negative that comes out of this is a lot of shilling happens. A lot of like, hey, I don't even use the product, but I'll talk about it. Like that, you know, we got everything has pros and cons. I wanted to ask too about, uh, we're just a month, a little over a month out from our date in Las Vegas C-suite. We're going to be top golfing. We're going to be learning. We're going to be fireside chatting with you and Ash. I'm really excited about it. And I, I, I like the frame that you brought up for how we might go about our fireside chat. We, you were saying that if, entrepreneurs in this space, we like to talk all the time about what to do. Here's how you do it. Here's the plan. Here's the blueprint. You were talking a little bit about here's what not to do, to talk a little bit about some of the mistakes you've kind of made in the past. Can you give us a little highlight of, of what you're thinking for that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, if you're in the the realm of wanting to know what to do, there is endless amount of resources there is and there's so much great content out there right um and i and what i don't want to do is come and repeat the same stuff because then the people paying for the time to come to this they're not going to walk away with added value they're going to add they're going to walk away with reinforcement uh and reinforcement should not come at the same price as value so anyway what i think um i think what we want to go and tailor this around is there's tons of things that we shouldn't have done. And I'll, I'll just name a few, right? When we look at like even our community, okay? We started to offer our affiliate program into our community, okay? And it rubbed so many people the wrong way because the affiliate program started to become affiliates in the community trying to get customers within the community cannibalizing okay? the community a little bit cannibalizing right? yeah. the community yeah. right and people were like wait what i got offered the same thing why would i use your affiliate code right um and we learned like there's times to monetize and there's times to not you know so do things authentically and stick by it second thing is um retention wise our brand has multiple SKUs, multiple offerings and multiple benefits if your retention post-purchase flows are all-encompassing one streamlined message. That is the biggest mistake you can ever make. Um, Like for us, we were talking to people coming to us and using weight loss products the same way we would talk to people who are using collagen products for hair and skin, right? Um, We tried to do this all-encompassing obvi post-purchase messaging. And until we broke it out by product, by funnel, six emails each, 20 different products, 120 email flow, we didn't see retention grow, right? So take the time 
it's not just having post-purchase. It's having understanding of why would someone want certain experience post-purchase. Um, lastly, I think for us, we focus so much of our time. All of us do this. We focus so much of our time to make Facebook and Google and all these platforms work better. And yet we will never get a hold of Mark Zuckerberg or Tim Cook or any of them. Okay. So instead, focus on your time on what you can control. You can control how your landing page looks. You can control how well your cart converts. You can find out where intrafunnel, where someone's dropping off. Spend time on what you can control because if you can go from 3% to 4% on your conversion rate, that's increasing your business by 25%. You're never going to bring CAC down by 25%, no matter how much time you put into it. So tons and tons more stuff, but like we wanted to go more this route because these are the things that you're just like, damn, I spent so much time on that shit, you know? Yeah, 100%. How do you handle agencies? Do you work with agencies or have you built out your internal teams to handle your scale? Um, we are a we are a revolving door of agencies from time to time. Okay. Yep. Um, just not going to sugarcoat it. Um, and why it's a revolving door is we believe that agencies are perfect for times when like we're super deep in bandwidth issues. Yep. And so we'll come in like right now, we have a deep issue in content creation, okay? We are scaling spend and we need more content. The content program we had going in-house, it's not curating enough content. So we hired an agency that's just creating 40 assets a month for us. Now, when uh, in, in June, ad spend is going to slow down because summer is going to be around and weight loss supplements don't sell as much, we're going to scale back out of that agency and probably bring it right all back in-house because we don't need it. Right. Same thing with like our, our CRO, um, CRO agency is probably the only one we've kept consistent for years, but like marketing wise too, sometimes like for TikTok, Ash doesn't have the bandwidth to get to it all the time. So you might test someone out, learn a few things and say, all right, thank you. You couldn't figure it out either. I learned a few things. Let's part ways. We're probably the worst customers for an agency on the model of retention, but we're very transparent with them on our, on our objective and our intention from day one. And it's smart. It's funny. I've been chatting with uh, CEO of Pilot House and a few of the leads there, and they're they're working on a product that's essentially to help businesses that want. Because the problem with building only an internal team and not going to agencies is that you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know. You, there's yeah, that feeling yeah. of being siloed, like, "Hey, my results are good," or "Hey, the results I think are good," but like, you don't always know. You don't unless you have someone to bounce it off. So I imagine like testing all these different agencies, you get a really strong sense of like, "Oh, that's a new idea," and you can incorporate that kind of right. thing. It's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is is making sure your intention is clear. Yeah. I think that's right. Well, our intention is to just just rock the show down in Las Vegas. You're Can't coming wait. from New Jersey. Yep. So uh, that's going to be something. I'm coming from Victoria. This is going to be a hell of an event. Um, just can't wait, man. It's going to be fun to meet in person. Yeah, it's super, super pumped. And uh, I think you have just a, uh, an all-star lineup also. Um, so I'm personally just so excited to meet so many of them. I've met a few. Uh, but even like someone like Jake um, you know, from, from MDS, like that is – that's uh, it's huge to to be able to to meet an icon, you know, like that. So, kudos to you guys for for rounding up some great people. The OG build in public group, yeah, uh, yeah. We're all we're all kind of working <laughs> off their playlist to some extent. That's, so uh, that's so true, so true. And it's the guests too. It's like the the mentors we have. We have the half of the guests could be on stage as well, right? Yeah, that's um, huge. 
which is super cool. So nice, man. Well, uh, look forward to talking with Ash hopefully next week. And then, yeah, we'll see you in Las Vegas, brother. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.